When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. Manchester City win at home. Headline news around the world. But actually, that's another record. 21st consecutive win at the Etihad in all competitions. A record for any English club. Another record smashed by Manchester City. To discuss that and much more, I've got three guests. Welcome back to John Stapleton. Hi, John. Hi, fellow. How are you doing? Good to see you. Welcome to Steve Cox. Hi, Steve. Hi, Nigel. And last but certainly not least, Spencer Debson. Hi, Spencer. Evening, Nigel. Listen, I'm going to start, gents, if I can, and come to you first, John. Um... Footballing rivalries aside, Sir Bobby Charlton, a footballing legend, one of the greatest players probably ever to play the game, won the World Cup, European Cup, Ballon d'Or, you you name it, he won the lot. A fantastic footballer, and I think it's only right that we should pay our tribute. Your your thoughts and reflections on the great Sir Bobby Charlton? Well, I concur with everything, every single thing you've said, uh, Nigel. That, I mean, an amazing footballer, an iconic figure in our in our game or his game, to be more precise. And moreover, I only met him once, actually, but uh, everyone said what a lovely gentleman he was and what a modest man he was. I met him briefly at the airport, airport and had a long chat with him because um, a friend of mine used to produce This Is Your Life and he'd done Bobby's This Is Your Life. He researched his background intensely, obviously, and met, met all his family, including Sissy, his mother, and also said, you know, what a superb man he was, a gentleman, and, you know, a, a prince among footballers, an absolute prince. I mean, that, that trio, we've got, we've got to admit, that trio invest him. Uh, and, and the other fella, uh, Dennis Law, uh, yes, who was ours at one stage. Now, another another lovely man, and the only surviving member of that show now, of course. Yeah, yeah, a, a sad loss, a sad loss, and uh, you know, all, will always be remembered as a major, major figure, if not perhaps the major figure, certainly of his generation uh, in, our, in in the game. Absolutely, Spencer. I suspect you never saw him play live, but uh, your thoughts and reflections on Bobby John. Yeah, no, I mean, in my time, I sort of obviously saw him, you know, when he's always never present really at games, isn't he? And clearly an absolute gentleman. Uh, and everybody uh, said that both sort of on and off the pitch. 
um, as far as his on pitch. Uh, I didn't realise he had 750 plus games. Uh, not many in any era that's uh, that's done more than that. Um, and um, I think was it. I think Alan Shearer was saying a great goal scorer, a scorer of great goals, all sorts of varieties, um, long, short poaching, uh, 30-yard screamers, um, uh, iconic footballer, and an absolute um, a gentleman of the sport. Steve, uh, just on to you then, your, your reflections on, on Sir Bobby Charlton? I mean, we, sometimes we talk about modern footballers and they have all the advantages of light footwear and light footballs. And Bobby had none of that when he was a player. He used to play with a ball that got heavier when it rained and he could hammer it as hard as anything. And, you know, to actually have the skill that he did and utilise the ball in the way that he did with it being that weight, he, absolutely admirable. And as everybody said, he, he really, really, really was a nice guy um, and genuine down to earth. Um, just a shame he was a United player, really, to be fair. Sure. And and just in the same breath, it's a less than three weeks since uh, Franny Lee went. I know we talked about it on the show, but I don't know if, uh, John, I'm particularly keen to come to you because I know you will have met Francis on a number of occasions. And and, and just from your reflections, we, we've paid tribute already and there have been many tributes uh, that have that, that we've heard and we've seen, and and I'm sure at the weekend, which we'll come on to, of course, uh, at Old Trafford, uh, with the two of them going within three weeks of each other, I'm, I hope that uh, there will be a, a a period of reflection and celebration on on two great lives. Your, your thoughts on Franny? Yeah, first met Franny back in the late 1970s when BBC Nationwide, a program I worked on at the time, followed Man City for a year, and I interviewed Franny then. But before that, of course, on his transfer to Manchester City, I was in newspapers and. Uh, he became a news story rather than a football sporting story because he's, when he turned up to sign for Manchester City, he turned up wearing a pinstripe suit and carrying a briefcase. You know, it was an indication of his business acumen and the first first football of his of his of his era to uh, turn up in in that kind of garb to sign on for a football club. Got to know him very well over the years. Occasionally, was delighted to sit next to him in in, in the in the director's box, invited in there, and to watch a game with Franny by his side is, was quite a revelation because he was seeing things in the game that I would never have seen in a million years and share, sharing his thoughts with me. Didn't always see eye to eye with him politically, I have to tell you. Uh, we had a few interesting and quite lively discussions on that, front, to, put it, to put it mildly. But having said all that, when my wife died three years ago, Franny was amongst the first, among the first people to call me and offer his sympathies and did so very generously and very sympathetically. So a fine man and a sad, sad loss, not just to Man City, but a sad loss to football as well. It's good to hear. Just... just... One other sort of footnote before we move on to the game against Brighton at the weekend, uh, and that is that a handful of City fans allegedly have been uh, reported for chanting um, sort of obscene and, and abusive things about Sir Bobby's departure. Um, how do you see that then, Steve? Just, just, just what do you reflect on that? And again, it, it clearly was, I was at the game, I didn't hear anything, it was in the in the concourse and so on, but, but how do you react to that when you hear that? I... I'm appalled, actually, because, you know, every football club has its undesirable elements. And you like to think that your football club doesn't actually have undesirable elements. Unfortunately, they are amongst us. And it saddens me that the memory of someone like Sir Bobby Charlton can be slurred by people in that way. And as far as I'm concerned, if the club turned around and banned them, then I would be quite behind it. Absolutely. Anything to add, Spencer, to that? Hundred percent. No, I mean, I mean, even when there was the the one minute silence, you know, there, there was um, people shouting out. Hopefully, I think the technology is getting better at this, isn't it? The facial recognition, or they should they should weed them out and and and, and keep them out of the club. Really should. 
All right, let's let's move on to to better things. We we needed a win. Um, we said on last week's show that Brighton would be a tough test, and they certainly were. But it was a good first half performance, wasn't it, Spencer? You got to look back on that and say, yeah, I know you're at the game as ever. Um, what a yeah. good performance that first a game of two halves. Well, let's just focus on the first half. Played with pace, played with purpose, moved the ball quickly. All the things we've been we've been missing, and and it was a really good performance, wasn't it? Well, absolutely fantastic. And thank you very much for coming to me first to talk about the good news. Uh, I mean, we really started off really, really well. Um, I think there was a little bit of, uh, uh, not trepidation, but, you know, were we back to it? We've just come off the back of a couple of, uh, you know, poor defeats at the end of the day. Uh, the the team sheet looked uh, looked interesting. We we have a sort of uh, instinctive smile when we see uh, Doku on the team sheet. Uh, and he absolutely delivered. I mean, he really looked electric, had a lot of the ball uh, in the first half, uh, Milner really looked every year of his 38 years or whatever he is. Uh, and he was absolutely fabulous. Uh, and overall in the first half, a really excellent performance. Uh, I think we all thought on the half hour, 2-0 up, uh, we were all sort of settling in for our halftime treats and thinking this was going to be, a, you know, a 4-5-0 route. Uh, and I mean, we'll come on to the second half, but I think in uh, uh, last season in our pomp, uh, that would probably have been... Uh, you know the result, but you know all said, um, two two good goals. Um, uh, great to see Harlan back on the on the on the sheet, uh, and good performances all round. Foden, Stones, oh. Rodri, Guardiola really went in at half time. Um, you know, really really happy. Um, half-time treats, we might come back to that. I'm interested to know what all our guests have as a half-time treat. Obviously, Spencer brings his own with him, but we'll, we'll, we might come to that. Um, Steve, your your thoughts? What would you like to add about that really, really good first-half performance? Really good. I think at lunchtime, I think Guardiola said to Doku, what would you like for your afternoon tea? And he said, Milner on toast, please. And he absolutely got him in spades, didn't he? I mean, that guy turned him inside out. I think they took Milner off at half-time because I'm... I wouldn't have been surprised if he didn't get sent off because that was the only way he was going to stop Doku. Um, yeah, there were so many positives from the first half. I think Spencer's absolutely right. We played the ball with a lot more purpose. We moved it faster. We played the quick, quick, slow that we really enjoyed doing. I thought Foden had an amazing game. I think at one point he went past four of their players and then nutmegged the fifth um, to provide the ball to... I'm trying to think who it was now, but irrelevant. Anyway, he looked really, really good and sharp. Um, Alvarez, even though he scuffed his shot somewhat, it still managed to get underneath the bar. Harlands, wow. I mean, he took that extremely well. That's not someone lacking in confidence whatsoever. Not sure what happened to us after the break, to be honest with you. I couldn't quite get my head around that. But I actually thought Brighton defended really well. Otherwise, it probably would have ended up at a, quite a high-scoring first half, I reckon. Um, we will come on to the second half, John, but what would you like to add about that first half performance? Well, I, I just going to say, they've stolen my thunder, really. I mean, they, they've said everything I wanted to say. I mean, Doku in particular, I, I cannot recall an individual performance as mesmerising as that. I mean, it was stunning. I, I saw him at West Ham, when he came out at West Ham, I was you know, very pleasantly surprised by the way he played there. He did the same there. He had the fullback on toast as he, as he had for old Milner on toast uh, on Saturday. Uh, completely endorsed what was what was said about Alvarez as well, and Foden. Foden not only beat three or four men uh, and went went through the legs of a defender, he, he managed to avoid the referee who was in the way at the, set, at the time, <laughs> if, if I recall. I thought Foden played us especially well. It was a fabulous first half. I was forecasting five or six nil as, as the final score. We'll we'll discuss why a little bit later on. 
But the other thing that the performance of Docker raises, of course, is the future of our old friend Jack Grealish. Now, my record on Jack Grealish, you're well aware of, Nigel. I wasn't a great fan at first. He had, I thought he had a fantastic season last season. In the end, he did very well. But someone in the second half, when 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 Milnick, when uh, Grealish came on, someone sitting next to me said, "Well, that's put the brakes on it now, hasn't it? You know, I Grealish has put the brakes on it." So I think at the very least, to be as charitable as I can about Jack Grealish, um, he probably came on to do what the manager told him to do. I hold the ball, but you know, and we'll come into that in more detail, I'm sure, a little bit later on. But the performance of Doku does raise. Well, does it raise a question about Grealish's uh, future, or does it suggest that Man City are very fortunate in having two players in the same position who can do rather different things? So let's take a positive view and say the latter. Well, well let's tackle that now. It's obviously on my list to discuss, and, and I don't remember which order we do this in. And uh, Steve, John's raised an interesting issue, and, and I have to say that there were mumblings around me as well at the same point, saying what's Grealish doing is completely changed. I am of the opinion he came on with a job to do with clear instructions from Guardiola. I suspect is what it was. You know, Whatever you do, don't give the ball away. Yeah, we, we you know we've given a goal away. We're two one up. Just keep the ball. And 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 so yes, he he was going back. He wasn't sort of taking the the new defender who replaced Milner quite the way Doku had done. But I'm sure that was because he was instructed to do so. Surely, I don't think we should criticise Grealish for that. Would would you agree, or did you see it differently? Uh, I like Jack Grealish first and foremost. I have to say that I do like him both as a player and he's very admirable admirable as a person. But Sometimes when I watch him in games, I find him a bit one-dimensional. He always cuts in on his right foot, and it that makes him somewhat predictable. Whereas I think if you compare that to Doku, Doku didn't seem to go past whoever he was playing against the same way twice. He seemed to be able to trick them into stop-start, get past them on the outside, put the cross into the box. I think his output is a a lot better and a lot better quality. The thing that he doesn't give you is that he doesn't keep the ball very well, Doku. Because he takes a risk, because he does something a little bit out of the bag, he's a liability, can be a liability on that front. And I I mean that, you know, with a a pinch of salt and a pinch of sugar, really, to be honest with you, because I think he's a really good player. But that's something maybe he'll learn and develop over time. Whereas actually Grealish, for all of his faults, does look after the ball very well. He didn't look... 100% 100% at the weekend, Grealish, for me. He he didn't quite seem to... And whether that's as a part of not being on from the start, whether it's because he was a bit jaded from playing in the middle of the week, I'm really not sure. I don't think it's the... You know, I agree with John. It's more likely that we've got two players competing for the, the same spot, one of whom is, is, is a lot more dynamic than the other and a lot more excite, perhaps a lot more exciting. The other one gives you the ability to keep the ball. I'm sure he was just following instructions, but it, it, it did get a bit frustrating. And, and we, we kind of ended up biting our nails at a game where we really oughtn't to have been. As good as Brighton are, they were soundly beaten in the first half and all we needed was another goal. And actually, we nearly scored one just before they they got their their goal really um that would have put us out of sight out of sight or enough out of sight not to have been worrying so yeah bit of a strange game really on that front uh, spencer just going back to the sort of greedy situation uh, did you see it as him sort of sticking to the game plan and the clear instructions and actually doing a good job in this situation we can argue the toss in terms of who's the better player or does it put him under pressure or actually my view for what it's worth we've actually got two quite different players who pep can choose based on two different situations 
Yeah, I wouldn't be unduly critical of his, you know, he was a sort of 15, 20 minute cameo, uh, particularly on yesterday. Um, but yes, we we love a a, a flair player. And, and in that, we've got that with Doku. We love somebody, you know, like Peter Barnes, you just take the man on and run to the byline. And Doku's got all of that. Whereas Grealish very, very rarely does that, um, even when he has the opportunity, as, as Steve's saying, you know, it's, it's the check-in all the time. But there was one occasion in the second half, I think middle of the second half, where the ball broke free and Doku was, you know, was sprinting with the ball um, and in the clear to some extent, uh, and I thought, and, and and he just overran it at the end, and 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 it and it broke down. And I did think to myself, you know, Grealish in in that exact situation would not have lost the ball and would have done something with it. So I think it's about experience. Um, but but you know, I think I I think it's great to have these two players in the squad. It's a long season, um, and I I certainly would uh, would 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 think it's great for sort of squad development. Um, but um, you know. Grealish will be back. I, I, I think keep the faith of Grealish. No, I'm with you. I think it's great to have those two players. Here you go. Unpopular Nigel coming up here. I'm going to disagree with all of you. I actually was disappointed with Doku. <sighs> Sharp intake. Uh, well, it, I'll tell you why. Because I thought his final ball wasn't that great in a lot of situations, either the final shot or the final ball. Yes, he took players on. But you said that about he, Jack Grealish, Nigel, time and again. Well, and we're not talking about we've done Jack Grealish. I'm talking about you you <laughs> three of the, the three of you <laughs> have been talking about Doku, how outstanding he was. He wasn't my man of the match. We've already mentioned the man of Foden was man of the match for me by a country mile. Doku took it's a close call, I'll give you that, but it was man of the match in most of the reports I read. Final ball no, wasn't good there. enough. Final ball, final shot, not good enough from Doku. Needs to do better. Fine taking the man on, quite exciting. Discuss. Come on then, John. Who, who, give, who, us your, who, give us your response. Who, who takes your breath away when he gets the ball? Really not about taking the breath away. He, did, he had three shots on goal and missed them all, and his final ball didn't always find a City player. So taking the man on and leaving Milner on his ass, I love that, of course. Brilliant. Yeah, but I didn't think he was. I didn't think his final ball with in every due, situation was good enough. With all due respect to Jack Greenish, who I also admire off the field as well as on the field, he seems a charming, lovely, lovely, lovely fella. You know, time, all he does, as has been said already, he cuts inside. He tries to beat one, and he possibly beats one, possibly beats two, and then he loses the ball. You know, time and time again. You know, and he's a hundred million quid worth. Okay, Spencer, are you with me or are you with John? I have a little hunch that Nigel is trying to stimulate debate here and secretly he really, really likes Doku. But I may be speaking out of turn here. Um, you're right. He's 21. He's not the finished article. And I think that that's the, that's the exciting thing about him. Uh, you could imagine under Pep, hopefully we've got Pep for at least two more years, who knows, uh, that he'll really improve and tighten up on those sorts of things. Um, because right now, Grealish is, I do think Grealish is uh, on passes, is most times uh, he doesn't actually lose or waste the ball, whereas Doku sometimes does because of the flair. Um, so I don't have any undue complaints. Uh, I think it's £61 million pounds or whatever it was, or was it Euros, well spent. Uh, Steve, when the announcement uh, sort of in the stadium came that Doku was the man of the match, we looked along our row, Stuart next to me on my right, Roger on my left, and the other Nigel there, and we kind of all kind of together, without having necessarily talked about it, kind of shook our heads and pulled our faces as if to say, no, it's Foden, surely, not Doku. Yeah, Doku did create an, an assist though, didn't he? Um, and he's creating chances, and I think he's... It, they're marginally not quite going for him. And I think that's what you're picking nits at, really. Um, yes, he had a few shots. They were only marginally off target. 
I think he will improve as a result of that. He's got a lot to learn. He's a young player. I thought he had a really good game. I wouldn't have put him down as man of the match because, like you, I do agree, Foden was my man of the match, but I enjoy watching Doku compared to Grealish because I don't know what I'm going to get from Doku, whereas I know exactly what I'm going to get from Jack Grealish, and that's not a criticism of Grealish. John? I was going to say, before we move on, and this is changing subject a bit, and I'm not the chairman. You are, Nigel. Sorry. But what do you think about our goalkeeper's performance? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, help, uh, do, do you want to answer that first, John? So what, what is it you're, you're well, referring I, I, to I, I, particularly I, I, to help us? A, that he was chosen ahead of Edison. Because Edison, and Pep said, oh, Edison's tired. You know, he's been in, in, in playing for Brazil on Wednesday night. But Alvarez is playing for Argentina on Wednesday night. And he, put, he played. He put it in the, in, in the, in the starting lineup. I thought Ortega did well. Just a bit concerned about his delivery. You know, his, his kicking. Not in the same class as Edison, in my view. But you know, a steady lad. I just wonder what the other people thought. I, I, but can I kick off as, as you've asked the question? I don't often get a chance to answer first. Yeah, can yeah. I man out as the chair? Yeah, I can, I can yeah. do that now, can't I? I... Okay. I, I or, or, or Ortega's never let us down, has he yet? I think yeah. you can look back at Pantillimon, you can look at Bravo, and you can say, do you know what? They've, they've, there have been situations where they've let us down. I don't think he's ever let us down. He's not as good as Edison, because he'd be playing every week. But I think he's... When I see his name on the team sheet, for whatever reason, Edison obviously travelled and he got back the day before, whatever. They made a decision internally to, to rest him. He was obviously on the bench. For me, never let us down. I'm never worried when I see his name. I was more worried when I saw Pantillimon and I saw... Bravo, Steve. As an ex goalkeeper myself, Oof. I actually quite, I quite, I quite like Ortega. I think he is a very good shot stopping goalkeeper. And actually, I would say, as a shot stopper, I put him slightly higher than Edison. But under pressure, his delivery is not always as good as Edison. I think Edison is the cooler cucumber, and I think there are a few occasions where Brighton did close him down a bit, and he rushed it, and he, as a result, 
he gave he turned the ball over. Whereas actually normally he he's pretty accurate with his distribution. But I think because Edison's a bit cooler, he tends to be a little bit less pressured by someone charging him down. Whereas Ortega isn't. So I'd say they're probably on a par for me as keepers. Spencer, I wasn't naiming to criticise the guy. I was just interested to find out what other people thought. Mm. I agree Interesting. That. Yeah. Oh, I would I'd definitely put Edison ahead of Ortega in terms of sort of quote better keeper, but definitely Edison's got more authority under pressure at the back, no question. Uh but yeah, he made a, made some great save. Great save from Matoma, I think, um, edge of the box. Um, yeah, got a lot of confidence in in him. I think he's the best number two we've had. Um, but yeah, no, no criticism, no undue criticism. Agreed. Uh, John, do you want to sort of pick up then on the on the second half then, just briefly? We've kind of talked a lot about the first half, some individual performances. In your view, you've been watching City a long time. You were there again at the at the weekend. Your thoughts on kind of what went wrong? Do we have to give credit to Brighton? Uh, did City look a bit tired in in your eyes? What what was it? You think what was the difference between those two halves? Because it was a very different performance second oh, half. Absolutely, it, it, it will be a brief because I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I, I was taken aback. I mean, you know, by the end of the game, I was, I wasn't panicking, but I was quite concerned actually. I thought you know would have wouldn't have been been no surprise at all. Had Brighton equalised, you know, because they dug in there, you know, and we we sort of lost our spark, we lost our drive. I, I don't know what went on, really, frankly. I think it was surprising, and I I I, can't, I honestly can't explain. It. I don't know where to begin. I can't explain it. We just lost all our all our verb, all our punch, and you know, it was well. I I, I could have gone for the early train, but I thought no, I can't, I can't leave this game. <laughs> all the tea in China, so I stayed on to the end and got the later one. But yeah, I mean, having said all that. You know, if we can win playing like that in the second half, maybe things ain't so bad. Well, things aren't so bad. We know the loss. Things are great. Uh, it's possibly the way to win the league. And Steve Brighton are a good team as well. We we really have to say that. You know, they are they are one of those sides that are with a fantastic manager that people are mentioning in the same breath as Pep as a possible replacement in years to come. So they are a good team, uh, and we shouldn't forget that. Yeah, they are. I think since Deserby took over, they've gone on to another level. Um, they weren't quite as good under Potter. I know they were relatively well managed, but I don't think I ever feared playing them under Potter. Whereas actually under Deserby, they've got a, a thing, a cavalier attitude about them that you know makes them a bit of a threat. Uh, and actually, I'd say they're probably a better team than Arsenal at the moment. Um, I think looking at them, they're a more rounded team. They've actually got strikers. Arsenal haven't really got strikers. They've got Jesus outside of that and Ketia, not really that good. I'd say Brighton are probably a better bet. Be interesting to see how they do this season with um, Europe being a bit potentially a bit of a distraction for them. But I, I was pleased when, we, to be honest with you, when the final whistle went on Saturday, I was really pleased and relieved. Absolutely, we all were. Spencer, a final word on this. I've got one other issue that that caught my eye that I want to share with you before we move on to uh, the Champions League and then the uh, the derby at the weekend. Anything else you want to add about the second half? Yeah, no. I mean, look, Brighton. You know, obviously they had to look for the equaliser. Uh, and to be to be fair, if the, the longer the game went on, the more you thought they would they would get it. To be honest, no, I don't really have a great explanation. Um, uh, I don't actually think Brighton are quite as good as you're all saying. They're certainly not in, in Arsenal's class, in my opinion. Uh, but, um, you know, an honourable win. And as John said, if we can win these, win ugly, that's a good sign for the second half of the season. Something I also want to add then, Steve, you can kick off on this, is maybe a lack of discipline is how I would frame it. Just to remind ourselves, Grealish came on and was booked for dissent 
He only was on for 10 minutes and, and he couldn't control himself and was booked for descent. We had Rodri who kicked the ball away. If you know, if on a Sunday morning you kick the ball away, you know you get booked for that. He's just come back from being sent off. And then, of course, Akanji was booked for two yellows as well. So it kind of it's just a, a slight concern of this, what I would call, lack of discipline. W- would that be fair or is that just four situations that kind of happens in a 90-minute football game? Do you, do you see it as a potential lack of discipline or do you see it differently? I don't think it's a lack of discipline. Um, I, I think, for what it's worth, Rodri did something a little bit daft. Grealish was mouthing a bit and they deserved their cards, but I don't think it's a lack of discipline. Um, Akanji was the one I actually felt sorry for because the first card was definitely a yellow. The second one was kind of not quite from reviewing it on TV. He didn't look as though he caught him that much, but the, you can see why the ref did it. He thought, you know, he was stopping a breakaway. So... I think Akanji knew what he was doing at the time, but I don't think he thought he would ever get a card for it. So I don't think it's a lack of discipline. A bit of stupidity, maybe, I think, more than anything else, to be fair. And they just need to wise up a bit. I'm sure Pep's had a right old go at them about it because uh, we certainly can't afford losing uh, Rodri for any period of time. The other two, fair enough. All right, then, Spencer, naive then. If if not a lack of discipline, a bit of naivety. How do you see it? Is that a better word? Oh, I don't, honestly don't have a, a, a ready explanation. You can you can cast it. Other than to say in previous podcasts, we have spoken about this lack of discipline thing. So is it a pattern or is it one-offs or something in between? It, it's honestly hard to say. Uh, but certainly Rodri um, should know a little bit better. And he's just got back in and we suffered without him. So, um, you know, um, yes, you know, tighten it up, guys. John, you'll agree with me, won't you? These two aren't quite agree. I know you'll sort of wholeheartedly back my view. There's a total lack of discipline amongst the city camp. I can't go along entirely with that. <laughs> I was going to say in defence of Robbie, I just wondered when I saw it, whether his argument was that he kicked the ball away before he heard the, the referee's whistle. I don't know. I, maybe, or maybe not. You, you, don't, you don't believe it. Jack, I'm afraid, lost his rag and went face-to-face with the linesman. And what can you expect? You can say lack of discipline. You can say, you know, fantastic passion for the game. Um, if passion causes trouble, you should, we should get rid of it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think they were, they were, they were charged up because the, the, the game was not slipping away from us, but they weren't as, as, as effective as they have been in the first half. Maybe they were getting a bit nervous. Maybe that accounts for it. I don't know. Less of it, please, in the future. Let's look forward to this week then. Two games coming up. Um, they're going to come thick and fast now as City sort of compete in most of the competitions. Uh, yeah, young boys away on Wednesday. John, how, how do you see that one in terms of... Well, I'm sure Pet will have one eye on the on the derby as well at the weekend, well, of course. So that's that's always the issue, isn't it? Yeah, we've got a lot, a lot in reserve, haven't we? We're, we're very fortunate. If you look, look to the bench on, on Saturday, you know, all the players we didn't use on Saturday could, could be deployed. Uh, is it Tuesday or Wednesday? I can't remember which. Uh, this, I think it's Wednesday. Wednesday against Young Boys. We shouldn't pose any major threat to a team like Manchester City, should they? Um, I mean, hopefully we can go there, get a win, and then relax about the Champions League and concentrate on the Premiership, you know, ho- hopefully. Uh, God bless you, Nani. Uh, yeah, I, I, I see no problem at all. Don't, don't forget, we've, you know, we've got up our sleeve. We've got the two signings in close season, Kovacic and Nunes. We've got our, 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 our wonderful young player whose name escapes me now. Oh, oh um, 
Come on, guys. Rico, Rico Lewis. Rico Lewis, thank you very much indeed. I, I, I can, my excuse is I'm getting very old. You don't have the same excuse. <laughs> Rico Lewis. Yeah, well, I mean, all sorts of options open to Pep. I, I see, I'm quite relaxed about Wednesday, quite relaxed. And apologies to Rico Lewis for getting his name. So, so you see, John, actually a number of changes then. You can actually see that was well, so maybe four or five changes for, for Wednesday. Maybe even give Phillips a run out. You know, that's not, I'm sure you've, you've discussed this in the previous week. Steady, John. Well, <laughs> what we do about poor old Phillips, I, I do not know. I, I think probably it's time for him to think about a, a different future. But you yeah. know, it could be, could be useful to us on Wednesday. I, th- I think yeah, we have discussed it lots, as you rightly say, for all the reasons we all understand that. And all the rumours seem to be that January probably is his opportunity to seek employment elsewhere. Uh, that seems to be the rumour, doesn't it? Um, but but again, Rodri's only just come back for one game. You know, does, does he need a, another run out to be fully match fit and so on? I don't know. It's maybe another way of looking at it, Steve. Yeah, I think I can't see that we approach many games in the near future without Rodri playing. Um I don't know that much about young boys. Um, I know that they've kind of had a reasonable sort of appearances in the Champions League in the last few years, but they shouldn't really prove that much of a problem to a team of City's sort of ability and depth. Um, I would think we could quite comfortably put out a second team and they should easily be expected to win that game. Whether they would or not is a different matter, but I can't, I can't see Pep not using Rodri at the moment. I think Phillips is not working for whatever reason it's not working and Pep keeps hinting at why he thinks it's not working, but he's probably the only player I think is probably not not up for a start, I would have thought, on Wednesday. Any other I would have thought would be likely likely to get a game. Yeah. How many changes then, Spencer? Five, six, seven, eight, twelve? One of those, Nigel. Yeah, we don't need But I think you will play Rodri as well, because I think um, he just yeah. can't, get, can't get enough Rodri. Um, I'm sure Rico will play and, and others, Nunes and, and so on. Um, but yeah, we should have more than enough. And it's just try and keep injury-free and, and sharp for the weekend, I think. So, Spencer, looking forward to the, to the weekend then, which... Uh... Clearly, it's probably the more important one this week. Uh, bear in mind other sort of results in the Champions League and what we know of young boys. <sighs> Having already discussed, hopefully, that the minute silence or whatever will will be observed properly. What does uh, what's a good result here to the team who would seem to be coming back a little bit and finding a bit of form? We're away. We've struggled a little bit there recently. What 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 does good look like? Sort of when we get together next week for the podcast, when we're looking back, is good a draw? Would you take that now? No, good looks like a win. I mean, on paper, uh, United are very, very uh, inconsistent this season. A lot of change, a lot of off-field talk. Uh, on paper, we should have more than enough. But we all, <clears throat> we know, I think the last couple of years, isn't it? We, we lost 2-1 last season. I think the season before, we didn't get what we wanted. Um, uh, somehow, United will always perform. It's it's a derby. Um, there's a lot of bragging rights around. And I, I don't I don't think it'll be... A romp in the park at all. I think it'll be quite close, competitive. Um, of course, they'll be wanting to, uh, you know, uh, speak to the legacy of uh, Bobby Charlton, etc. So I think it'll be. I think it'll be a, a tight game. We can win it. We should win it. Will we win it? We'll find out next week. Uh, is a draw good enough, John? At this stage, come back with a draw. Do we need to sort of keep keep the the winning oh, it, the winning going? Enough. No, it's good enough, certainly, but it, I, it, will, it won't be easy, will it? I mean, it's, well, it's never easy. You can never predict, really, with any confidence, a result at, at Old Trafford. And next week will be, or next Saturday will be, or Sunday rather, will be an emotionally charged atmosphere. And let's keep our fingers crossed and hope to God 
those people who chose to be behave inappropriately about Sir Bobby Charles behave themselves this time around because we we don't want people like that as as uh, supporters of Manchester City. We we just don't want them anywhere inside or outside the stadium. As for the game itself, well, you know, I, I think I'm fairly confident that we'll, we will win this. I mean, United are not a good team, simple as that. You know, that performance against Brentford where they snatched victory in the last two minutes, you know, not impressive. Sheffield United, again, team doomed to relegation, not not impressive. They've got to get, they haven't got, had their act together at all this season, in, in my view. And on, and on paper and, and in practice, I think we're, we're a far better side. So I think we should go into that with our heads held high. Uh, do our best to control the, the the emotional situation. Just concentrate on the game. As, as no reason, in my view, why we can't come away with a, a win, albeit probably a rather narrow one. And Doku or Grealish to start? Uh, ah. Doku to start. Grealish to come in the last ten minutes and score the win. You sure? Just <laughs> checking, John. You sure? This is proving wrong. <laughs> Steve, it's going to be a difficult uh, a difficult afternoon, I think, isn't it? All round. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that Spencer and John have said, really. Um, United aren't a particularly good team this year. They are particularly inconsistent, but they do tend to bring their non-Benny Hill-type defending when they play against City for some reason or other. I don't know what it is. They play against any other club and you can hear the Benny Hill music playing in the background when they're defending. They play against us and they seem to suddenly become um, Yap Van Stam all the way across the back line. Um, I'm not sure quite... What that is, it must be something to do with the fact that it's a derby. Um, it will be a tough game. It will be a close game. But I would hope that we would be able to shade it purely because we need to get ourselves up for that. We need to get some emotion behind it, but channel it on the field in the in, you know where it's really necessary, not um, not pre-game when you're trying to keep a, a side. So it'd be nice to hear our fans going hell for leather, really, once the game has kicked off. Amazing. Thank you very much. We'll find out what did happen this time next week. Huge thanks to my three guests, to John Stapleton, to Steve Cox and to Spencer Debson. Um, As we say one more time, our thoughts and prayers are with the family and the friends of the late Sir Bobby Charlton. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.